The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Midweek edition. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Hello and welcome to another edition of TPS Midweek. I'm your host, Craig Bobby, and wow, hasn't it been a while. And, uh, well, I hope you've all been staying healthy and are well. What a crazy, crazy time it has been. It is so nice to be back and doing another podcast after a rather long hiatus. But I just had a feeling at the end of my last show that things were going to get a little wacky as the summer was approaching and my schedule continued to deteriorate. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have a hard time staying with this. And although things haven't returned back to normal, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit of a break in my schedule. So I can devote a little bit of extra time here to talking a little bit of pinball for a change as opposed to life and and survival and <laughs> staying healthy and all that other good stuff and d- social distancing and trying to get out and enjoy the the world as we know it and be outside. I'm noticing that some of the locations up here in Canada are starting up again. There is a barcade called Z80 that I just saw on Facebook was reopening and another one by the same owners called Tilt Arcade in the west end of Toronto. They're opening up again, so nice to see that as things, as the virus gets a little more under control here in this particular city. But boy, it's been a crazy, crazy time and I'm sure it's been that way in a lot of cities around the world. One thing I've noticed in the pinball community, isn't it been nice to see the lack of drama? And I mean that in the podcasting world. I know there's still some drama on Pinside, and if you want drama, boy, you can go find it in just about any of the uh, the chat streams or the websites that offer that type of service. But I do feel like in the podcasting world, things are kind of coasting along for the most part, and everyone's just happy to be doing their thing and making their own stuff and material and commenting as they see fit, but no one's being too controversial or mean-spirited. <laughs> which, which again, I, I appreciate because, uh, you know, I got enough of that in, in the real world. It's nice to see things being a little more settled and quote-unquote normal in the pinball community. So I'm enjoying that, enjoying listening to some new podcasts out there. Still feels a little weird to be talking about something as seemingly trivial as pinball, but like anything, it's a hobby and does uh, mean so much to a lot of folks that follow it or collect or make their living this way. And, and, and it is an important way for people to escape the insanity of what's um, happening out there, giving everyone a sense of normalcy and mental well-being that is so extremely important during stressful times like these. So good to be back at the end of all that. And hey... Let's talk a little pinball! Have you ever wondered how sad it is that your son's only sexual outlet is tossing off to magazines in the bathroom? Oh, Gary! Oh, my Ma, I never oh, tossed God. off to anything! You told me you were combing your hair! But I was! I was! Yeah. Ma, Gary, Ma, shut up! I never, God, I never the tossed off to anything! Look, I've never shut up! I never tossed off! Shut up! I never tossed off! Shut up! 
So in addition to there being relatively lack of drama in the podcasting world, you know, the manufacturers these days have been relatively quiet as well as they all continue to get back on their feet. And um, Stern is certainly setting the bar high by getting out there with their TMNT and getting pr- their production facilities up and running. They're still not at 100%, of course, and are, I understand, quite far behind in terms of uh, getting to their back orders, but that's a good problem that they have. Spooky as well, they continue to chug away and are getting people their Rick and Mortys that have um, that have ordered them prior to all this began, so they're kind of taken care of. And of course you have American Pinball with their new release in Hot Wheels, so their course has more or less been set as well. I haven't heard anything of uh, anything new coming down the pipe for them in the near future, so they've more or less got their course set in terms of what they're going to be producing. And let's not forget Chicago Gaming, who has been working on the Royal Edition of Medieval Madness for what seems like about a thousand years now. So they are continuing to get those units out, and I understand they're now toward the end of their run. So hopefully we'll hear something from them before the end of the year about what their next plans are in the near future as well. And so it sort of leaves the pinball landscape a little bit. You know, I'm feeling like it's a little bit flat at the moment. There's not a lot of other stuff going on. And so the table has really been set here for other manufacturers like Jersey Jack Pinball, who of course are still getting their new facility up and running and are getting their production all ironed out. They are getting out some units of uh, Willy Wonka and are um, tweeting or posting on Facebook that things are moving along in a very positive direction on that front. And hopefully we'll see something for them in early September. So we wait and see for them. You know, Deep Root, of course, has gone deadly silent. And by deadly, I mean, um, you know, they've really fallen off the face of the earth. However, I did notice that on the TWIP webpage, they, Deep Root is a sponsor for TWIP, it appears. And on one of the trailers for a TWIP video that's up, it says that there is some announcement coming from Deep Root in September. So we'll have to see. Never say never, of course, for them. And, it's, and of course, if they came back tomorrow and said, hey, guys, take a look at what we've got. Um, you know, I'm sure they'd have interested uh, buyers. But for the most part, they are, I'm going to call them more or less out of the pinball landscape at the moment. And so with TMNT on the books for Stern, and they are madly trying to keep up with production for the demand on that game, and Spooky having their place card pretty much filled with Rick and Morty for the next year or so, all eyes now have turned on to Jersey Jack for, of course, their worst kept secret, call it GNR. But wouldn't, wouldn't that be funny if it wasn't GNR and if they came back and said, Hey guys, guess what? It's Deep Purple. <laughs> or The Doors. Or something completely different. We're doing Gilligan's Island 2.0. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what Ken Cromwell's got up his sleeve over there? Ken, we're all waiting for you. Jeez. Ken's like, it's not me. It's We're building a new place here. Does that every time I do a voice, why is it sounding like the Muppets? I have no clue why I'm doing that voice at the moment. That is in no way a representation of the way anybody speaks that I know, by the way. <laughs> do you think Ken Cromwell's parting it up with Axel Rose and Slash every night up in, in Chicago, in the, in the suburbs of Chicago? Damn it, I bet he's got some stories he could tell already. Shit. If you want to be a party animal, you have to learn to live in the jungle. Now stop worrying and go and get dressed. 
Come on, Ken. We want to see that damn machine. <laughs> Stop partying and get working. This guy deserves a party. No, I bet Ken and, and Eric and Pat Lawler and the whole crew up there are busting their butt to uh, get that machine out to everyone. So Godspeed to them. I'm sure they're working as hard as they can to get that game. And hurry up, guys. We're all waiting. <laughs> this guy deserves a party. I'm sure it is a struggle. And it does show how long it takes to get these things right. And I'm sure the good folks over at Jersey Jack Pinball are doing everything they can to get all their ducks in a row so that they don't have or have as very few missteps when they make their big announcement as possible. But in the meantime, we all wait and wonder and um, and decide what to do with our pin dollars for those who are thinking about a new inbox purchase. Gary and White, they created me on their computer. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't, you know. He doesn't stand for baloney. And so that really leads me to the main point of this particular episode of TPS Midweek. I'm going to continue to talk about my new inbox journey for my first new inbox title. And I want to say a couple of things for anybody that is... I'm talking to people that are sort of new to the hobby or thinking about buying a new inbox title. I think a critical thing that I can't stress enough is that you really need to play these titles and get to know these games before you make your decision. And I know you probably heard that before and you're like, Jesus, tell me something I don't know. But I I can't tell you enough how much of a difference it makes to play these games and to really try and figure them out before making your buying decision. And any good distributor that's out there that you're working with or going to buy from will understand or should understand that journey and will be uh, as helpful as they can to help guide you and give you the time and space that you need to really make a sound decision that's good for you and your family. And really, let's face it, with the modern games these days, there is a lot to see and understand with these titles and get your mind wrapped around what's happening in these games because the manufacturers, to their credit, are really packing these things for the most part much fuller with deeper and deeper code, better art, better backbox displays and animations, mechanisms. Well, it's arguable that the mechanisms haven't exactly been earth-shattering, But you have to get your head wrapped around what each of the titles has to offer as far as the mechanisms as well. And the price point that all these different uh, models and additions come in at. So you really do need to take your time and do a little bit of research. As maddening as it is to take your time and frustrating as it is sometimes to take your time and go slow with these decisions, in the end, it does pay. The manufacturers would love for you to make a large ticket spontaneous decision but at the end of the day it's really in your best interest to take it slow and to, and to make sure you fully understand what these t- each of these titles has to offer and is like to play because of course as much as they're all pinball machines they are all wildly different as we all know in layout design and features so up here in Canada I'm working with the main distributor and largest distributor here in Canada called Player One Amusements who has been very generous in understanding about my desire to purchase one of these new titles and I've been working with the manager of the Toronto Player One amusement location whose name is Jerry Power big shout out to Jerry Jerry I've been I've been talking with Jerry for probably since the beginning of last year or kind of mid last year once I started getting involved with 
Ken Cromwell and Special When Lit, and I contacted Jerry to start to get a better sense of some of the newer titles that were out since I w- you know, have been doing the Stern News segment for Special Winlet and now TPS with Zach and Dennis. Um, I really wanted to get a sense of how these games played. So, you know, I could I could better comment on on how they played and their value and their art and all the other good stuff that comes with these titles. Because you really, you can watch YouTube streams all you want and watch reviews, but until you actually get and stand over one, you can't really get a sense, a true sense of how these things operate and play. So I can't recommend enough um, working with a distributor like Player One and a guy like Jerry who's been in the business for 40 years doing everything from operating these games to fixing them to selling them and working with larger corporate accounts up here in Canada and smaller um, you know, family buyers like myself who are looking to put one of these units in to their homes. So at the end of the day, again, I know it seems uh, ho-hum, but I, I can't recommend, if you're going to drop the big quan, take your time, play them as much as you can, and really, again, get a sense of and try and think about, am I going to like this game long term? Is this a game that my friends and family are going are gonna to like if that's important to you? And is this something that may have some resaleability at the end of the day too because of course you have to think about that um, down the road this may be a title that over time you do get a little bored of and you might want to resell it so again before I get into specifics there's other things to consider that I had to really wrap my head around a little bit as I started doing some research on these machines and these games um, in terms of what was their purpose originally and why are there still some problems that are frustrating some of the home buyers are some of these frustrations legitimate and sort of where do they stem from um just sort of in a general sense uh and again i'm not talking about technically how these manufacturers are producing them but i am talking a little bit about how these machines were originally designed and where pinball machines were originally intended to be used um, and where they're being used more and more today. So, and of course, it's only a, re- a really recent phenomenon, I'd say in the last 10 or 15 years, where home pinball use has really taken off and probably even in the last five to 10 years where that curve has really gotten steep in terms of um, home collectors and people like myself who grew up with these machines that are now wanting to put them in their homes. And that all sounds great. Problem is that these manufacturers were always making these games for the commercial market. They were made for other businesses and locations like arcades and bars, um, hotels, um, you know, hospitals, airports, anywhere where the general public was walking and might want to spend a little time and throw in some money into one of these machines. They were made to actually make their owners money. So it's an interesting thing that over time now that people like myself who grew up with these machines are are now that we're a little older, a little more well established and are remembering the, those times and are thinking, hey, I'd like to, maybe I'd like to own one of those things going out and trying to actually source one. And it becomes maybe a little bit of a challenge or it's a little more daunting <clears throat> in terms of sourcing a pinball machine versus your average home electronic or computer 
Apple device. Uh, it's not as easy as just picking up your tablet and going on to the internet and, um, and grabbing one. Sometimes even locating them in the real world can be extremely challenging, particularly if you're not in a major, major city center. And it's not like, although there are many, many more distributors in the U.S. versus Canada, it's not like the distributors are on every corner or in every shopping mall. In fact, you might be lucky if there's only one or two in your particular region or city. And for a lot of people, they don't even have a local distributor in their, in their town or city center. So sourcing them uh, and coming into contact with a machine you want can be a challenge, which is much different, I think, than many items that you might want to purchase of significant value, like a car, like a stereo, like a computer that can retail, or a television that can retail for multiple thousand dollars. And the other interesting thing I, you know, that I've learned <clears throat> a little bit about these devices is because they're intended really as a commercial device, they still, don't get me wrong, these things are complicated pieces of equipment as much as the manufacturers have all simplified their uh, boards and chipsets and all that stuff. They are still, you know, mechanically and electronically extremely complicated. Just pull up the play, the play field of any of these things and you'll be shocked at the number of wires and nodes and um, all sorts of shit that's under these play fields. So an extremely complicated device and they're still extremely uh, imperfect in terms of how they're manufactured. Um, although they've certainly come a long, long way, we still see problems that occur even from the uh, leaders like Stern, Jersey Jack, Spooky. They all have little quirks in each of their titles and production glitches that they encounter from time to time that need to be addressed. And for the most part, I think these manufacturers do a pretty good job. When you purchase a new inbox title, you may never have a problem with these things. But from what I've seen, you can be prepared for a little bit of rolling up your sleeves and trying to figure a couple of little things out depending on the model that you get. So I think unlike a automobile where you might never need to get under the hood or a computer, which for the most part operates fairly well on its own right out of the box, you may have some issues with this device, which will force you to get, you know, roll up your sleeves and get a little more hands on with it. And I think the major problems that we see with some of these um, or have seen in the last year or so with some of these devices are everything from clear coat, sometimes printing issues, sometimes minor design issues where a mechanism or a ball scoop or something doesn't doesn't work right or as it was intended right out of the box and needs some slight modifications. Sometimes the mechs, as we saw in Stranger Things, don't always uh, work 100% and they need to be modified. So it's still an industry, I think, that for all it's been around for many, many years, it's still growing and I think it's growing because of the home use or the collector's market that is now uh, really skyrocketed in the last five to ten years, which is forcing a new set of pressures on these manufacturers that they probably didn't have ever with their operators. I mean, 
as an operator, did I necessarily care that there was a little bit of clear coat pooling uh, on on a particular new game that I bought and threw in my uh, arcade or or at my local bar or in a hospital or airport or wherever it may sit? No, I just I all I cared about is how much time was I going to have to put in to repair that thing or keep it going, and how much money was it going to make? So was it a cool theme? Did it look good? Were people going to stop by and and put their quarter or their dollar or or, or money? into this thing to make me some money versus what we're seeing now more is let's say a guy like me I've decided I want one of these so I save up my hard-earned money and I get one I'm not a nitpicky type guy but I can tell you when I get this thing I'm gonna cherish it like it's gonna be almost like a holy grail so of course I'm going to really inspect this thing as much as I'm gonna play the hell out of it I'm also gonna be a little bit I don't want to say nitpicky about it but I'm gonna look at it and really go over this thing head to toe um, and I'm probably gonna notice little imperfections here and there now are those imperfections gonna bug me I don't know, depending how how bad they are or or what my mindset is at the time, how much money I've spent, they may just bug me and my standards may be a little higher towards some of these manufacturers than as if I was an operator. In fact, I know, you know, my standards are going to be higher that way. And so I feel for those recent buyers who have had problems in the past. And again, I think for the most part, manufacturers have done, you know, the major ones have done uh, a, a very good job at addressing some of these imperfections. I know they haven't been perfect. And I know there are, are people out there who have felt, if not burned, maybe that some of their concerns weren't addressed properly. But I th- I'm going to call those people for the for the most part uh, the minority and that for the most part these machines are very well warranted and the manufacturers you know they have a reputation so they want to do as well as they can to the home buyer and they also know that this is a growing market as well and so the customer service side of their business has to be continuing to get better and to address uh, legitimate concerns of their of their customers because let's face it we're talking about at a minimum six thousand dollars us for the pro model of a stern and of course they can go right up from there as we know with uh, with elvira and some of these collector or le editions um, certainly it gets that way when you're talking about jersey jack uh, and some of their higher-end models, collector edition models as well. So very expensive, and I think that means the buyers are going to be that much more demanding as far as the perfection of these machines and how they work and look and um, perform and wear over time. So I'd really stress not paying too much attention to the different reviewers, although they will certainly give you a good ballpark about what to expect with these machines for sure. Some of them have been around for a long time and and their opinions are certainly um, are certainly valid. Although it's interesting, I find that this hobby, sometimes even more so than others, um, well, it's very much like the music industry or any type of um, any type of collectible or hobby where you're talking about art. Um, it's extremely subjective, and your taste might not be the same as mine. And even people that have been in the business for a long time change their opinions, um, especially once they have a chance to play these machines and certainly a game like Jurassic Park I can remember and it seems like forever ago but when that game first came out 
My God. The uproar about how they didn't have all the assets and what was it going to play like and the art wasn't great and I don't know about that playfield design. And there were a lot of naysayers, let me tell you, because I was very interested in that title being so new to the hobby. And, um, and it was, I would say, extremely negative at the time until, lo and behold, people actually started to play it and realized that, oh, geez, maybe Elwyn is a genius and, uh, you know, maybe the art was good enough. Enough. And um, maybe that crappy mech, uh, that Jeep mech, hey, maybe that actually does work. And voila, game of the year. You know, so it's really interesting. And certainly Elvira, I think, again, has has gone through a similar arc in terms of people being real naysayers as they saw those streams and the first images of the layout. And uh, they were calling it a little barren, a little void of mechs. I'm not so sure about that, that house mech and the way it works and lights up. And, you know, again, with every code update, that, get, that game gets stronger and stronger. And the naysayers now... Once they see the code integration of Lyman Sheets, who, of course, is a coding genius, you know, you have a very, very strong title there. And I'm sure sales have been excellent for Stern since. So, again, I'm going to say it one more time. Take your time and be careful. These things are part art, part mechanical game, part video game. And the more you play some of these titles, you may start out with a title like Stranger Things, um, which again was a title that people weren't quite sure about or were, were let's say, negative about Brian Eddy's um, first title after 20 years. But the more people play that title, again, it does something to you and it grows on you. And you can see what uh, Brian Eddy and the team over at Stern were trying to achieve, both with the mech in that game, uh, being the Demigorgon, and the projection in terms of the, the Premier Edition and the LE Edition for that machine, um, and some of the coding too. And that game does grow, grow on you over time. It is extremely maddening when you first play that and is uh, challenging especially for a new player like myself your ball times will be shockingly low but it is a game that sort of gets in your head and keeps you coming back for another play and that's kind of what pinball at the end of the day is all about you want to play a game or own a game where you're like god damn it i could do better next time or or i could learn how to do that shot a little better if i could only do it this way you know maybe i could get another million or 10 million or 20 million or get to the next mode there's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> He's singing Which direction we are going There's no knowing where we're rowing Or which way the river's flowing Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a-blowing? <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! Stop the boat. 
so enough of the rambling, and I've been rambling a little bit here, and, and hopefully it hasn't been too uh, basic for folks that have been in this hobby for a long time. Um, let's go over my short list anyway of, uh, of games that I've been looking at recently for my new first new inbox purchase. Here we go with the first one. This isn't going to be a shocker. It's, it's been at the top of the Pinside Top 100 for eons. I probably started the Pinside Top 100 back in the day right next to Twilight Zone and Adam's Family and some of those classics. Mars Attacks. Yes, the Brian Eddy classic has always been right at the top, either number one, two, or three. And for good reason, when I first started to play some of the modern machines, I was extremely drawn to this very approachable game, even though it had a DMD back glass, which, um, which is a little, uh, I don't want to say passe, but it's, it definitely is, is looking a little dated uh, these days compared to some of the newer LED screens that appear on uh, on the modern sterns and certainly seems a little dated when you're looking at the jersey jack larger 27 inch lcd screens that's uh, that they deploy so mars attacks was certainly right up there um certainly couldn't overlook tmnt stern's latest title the artwork from zombie yeti is probably one of his best uh, I'd say right up there with Iron Maiden and Deadpool. I'm going to call it better than both of those uh, two titles from what I've seen when I've, when I've seen this title uh, in person. So it was right up there as well, just because, again, it was the latest and greatest. And interestingly, even though I'm not a TMNT fan, I was still drawn to that game. So uh, something interesting to note there. Alvira, uh, again, because of all its... Um, uh, fairly steady reviews and reviews that were getting better and better as the game progressed in code and as people got their head around it. Um, had to put that on my list. Of course, uh, Willy Wonka, a brilliant title by Pat Lawler over at Jersey Jack. Love the theme. I, I love the, the movie Willy Wonka as I grew up with it as a child, so it had to be right up there too. Jurassic Park, another one that T-Rex mech was a no-brainer to put that. And of course, Game of the Year, hey, who am I to say, you know, that couldn't be a title I'd like to own. If it's Game of the Year, certainly that's worth checking out. And, of course, I couldn't necessarily make a decision or form my decision without taking into account another potentially new Jersey Jack title being, rumor has it, GNR or Guns N' Roses. So that has to be on the list as well whenever that title is going to be released. And certainly, I'm trying to weigh that a little bit still in my mind in terms of okay when is that title going to get announced and again when will it be available in terms of um, when will they be coming off the production line so when could I potentially get one in, in my house so that one if I'm going to wait for that I'm probably if I had to speculate and I have no clue so do not hold me to this date but I'm speculating that's going to be towards the end of 2020 if they're going to make this announcement. And who knows what that announcement might be in September. I'm going to wager that they're not going to get those things out to people. I'm going to say if they're doing if they're doing well and maybe a little further ahead than what I thought, they're going to get this out by Christmas. It could easily be into next year, however, if they're a little further behind or if they've got some uh, things to iron out in their production assembly. And certainly with all that's been going on in terms of supply chain issues in the world today, it would not surprise me in the slightest if all these manufacturers are... Uh, increasingly going through problems in their production in terms of just sourcing parts that would be coming from overseas or from other manufacturers because certainly 
getting parts from point A to point B. If they had it down to a science before, boy, they're trying to reinvent the world, you know, the wheel these days with all that's going on. And uh, I'm sure trying to source thousands of parts for these machines has become a real challenge for the purchasing departments of these companies. So there you go. The short list as it stands right now for myself is Mars Attacks, TMNT, Elvira's House of Horrors, Guns N' Roses, Willy Wonka, and of course, Stern's Game of the Year last year for 2019, Jurassic Park. And I'm going to say a little bit of a dark horse here, although it is out of my price range, is The Beatles. And I'm going to only say that because I am so drawn to this game every time I see it. I think it's a brilliant design uh, which combines the modern technology of um, of all these games that are out today in terms of the LCD back, back glass, but has an extremely retro and uh, fresh feel about it. Um, and I, so I really think it combines, you know, what you think of kind of in your head um, of an of an older pinball machine uh, with you know all the modern call it conveniences or displays of the new machines with the LCD screen and the animations so it had to be on my list although I don't think for uh, my first you know home title uh, new inbox title I don't think that's going to make the cut ultimately just because I think that's a game that's better suited for somebody who has a number of these machines who wants something a little more unique and of course who likes the you know who likes the Beatles and and their music and certainly while I don't hate the Beatles by any stretch um, I, I'm not sure I love them enough again to go in on this game for my very first title. And especially that era of the Beatles from the 50s, although, you know, I probably know those songs the best versus some of the other eras. But certainly it wouldn't be my first choice for if I was going to have a Beatles machine for that era of music. But an extremely clever design and, uh, and a very gorgeous looking machine. So really, at the end of the day, we give Beatles an honorable mention, even though it didn't make the final list. So I think I'm going to I'm going to sort of jump a little bit to the punch here and and sort of weed out a few of these titles right away as much as I like them. I'm going to give you just a quick snippet of each of them in terms of why they made or didn't make the cut. So Mars Attacks, although every time I play that game, I, you know, do very well in it. My feeling with it and, you know, don't hate me for saying this, is that I, I've i got this feeling it's been out for so long and it does feel a little bit older, uh, even though the design is probably timeless. It's, I think it's Brian Eddy's best title, you know, and it's why I definitely like to have it in my collection at some point in my lifetime. It's not what I'm going to start my collection off with just because, again, I want something that is a little more current and that does deploy the LCD screen of some description. And so Mars Attacks then will be taken off that list. And, you know, it's again, because it's been out for so long, somehow to me, the title, again, just doesn't feel fresh enough, and I, and I want this thing to feel like, if I'm going to go in on a title, I kind of want the latest and greatest, even though I think you've got to be mindful of the fact that this, you know, you want these machines or this machine uh, that I'm going to get to sort of stand the test of time a little bit. It wasn't a machine that, at the end of the day, when you look at its art and and a few of the other things in the DMD display, it wasn't making the, uh, the final cut. So Mars Attacks off the list, 
Elvira, I'm going to cross her off mostly because of the price point of that machine. Um, I did play it a, a number of times at Player One, and although it's a very um, interesting title and certainly draws you in with its animations, I'm going to say the price point of that machine keeps me out of that, owning that title, at least for the time being, for my first one. And as well, with the theme with Elvira, you know, I'm not a huge Elvira fan, although I, I do like what they did sort of with the with the retro horror theme. I, I like that. But again, not a theme that I'm necessarily drawn to. Willy Wonka, light show, brilliant, an extremely challenging design by Pat Lawler. Uh, but again, similar to Elvira, the price point of that machine, those Jersey Jacks, I mean, they are gorgeous, gorgeous machines. But for that, the price point is a little bit higher, uh, certainly higher than the pro models of Stern. You're getting into more of the premium or LE level uh, when you're talking about the, uh, the price point of a uh, Jersey Jack versus a Stern. So I think for my first title, again, is going to preclude me from going Willy Wonka. And by that standard, probably will keep me out of GNR as well. Um, again, I'm not a huge GNR fan, but I'm certainly more of a fan of GNR than I was the Beatles. So I'm extremely interested to see what Eric Minyard has done with his second title under the um, under the watchful eye of uh, Mr. Pat Lawler. Um, so I'm extremely interested to see what they come out with, and I have no doubt it's going to be an extremely strong offering from Jersey Jack. Just probably going to be a little out of my reach for the moment, uh, but for future consideration, absolutely, and I'll be watching with great interest, as I'm sure many of you will when they make that full announcement. And again, I'm only assuming that's going to be GNR based on all the rumors that have been circulating for many, many months. Um, if it's not, I will be as shocked as all of you. And the worst kept secret in pinball will all of a sudden be the best. Wouldn't that be ironic? So at the end of the day then, it really came down to two titles. Jurassic Park and of course, TMNT. And I think it came down to these two titles. One, because Jurassic Park um, is a theme that does interest me more than some of the other ones. It also won Game of the Year last year, as I mentioned. And I did play it um, this year as well on location. And it is an extremely fun and entertaining game to play right out of the, right out of the box. And you can see that um, Keith Elwin's uh, layout and I'm no pinball wizard as I've told you in pre previous previous episodes Jeff Teolis I uh, I really really enjoyed playing that game and kept wanting to play it more and more and more and certainly with that title in my humblest opinion and pro buyers please don't hate me for saying this but I really think that T-Rex mech beckons you to go the extra couple of thousand dollars to go into that premium model. That would be the only reason why I would buy the premium for that model would be for that T-Rex mech. Now, of course, with some of these mechanisms, as they get more complicated, there's more uh, of a chance that they might break or need repair at some point. I guess that's the chance you take. But but the, the moving T-Rex head on that game is spectacular and very, very cool. So it came down to the premium edition of Jurassic Park and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm talking a little bit like it's in the past, like I've made that decision up already in my head. And in some ways, I, I have. But I think a 
upon further review, I'm going to cut this episode short now that we're at around the 38 and 40 minute mark. As I can see, I have got probably well over an hour worth of material here, and I'm going to leave us with a little bit of an old-fashioned cliffhanger. And on top of that, I just listened to the Zach and Dennis episode 26 of TPS and realized that the conversation that they were having was very timely for my review of TMNT because I was struggling a little bit, I think, with my review and I thought some of the descriptive words that Zach was using to describe both feelings of of a game and descriptions of a game in the review was very interesting to me because I, th- I think as I'm listening to my review of TMNT, I'm using a lot of the same words over and over again, and I'm struggling to find the right words. And I, so I thought that conversation was very, was very good. And, um, and I'm going to kind of reflect on that a little bit and potentially modify my review a little, not in terms of the final outcome of it, but just in terms of how it made me feel and the descriptors that I've been using to describe what I felt about the gameplay and um, and the art and all that good stuff. So we're going to leave you with a little bit of an old-fashioned cliffhanger here. We look forward to seeing you again. I really appreciate you guys listening. And I'm going to leave us with a little bit of an old-fashioned commercial from Atari, who, of course, briefly got into the pinball game, but were more famously known for their early consoles, home consoles in the 80s, as well as their many contributions to the arcade scene back in the day. And I just find these commercials hilarious in general. And then I'm going to leave with a little Oingo Boingo from the movie that I was playing and taking clips from earlier, which was, of course, the John Hughes classic, Weird Science. Thanks, guys, for listening again. I'm Craig Bobby. Stay safe, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Yes,